0: Hey guys, and welcome to today's episode of Give It The Beans. So I am fresh off the back of um, attending the Granite City uh, Bodybuilding Show, um, which I think was the second one um, that we have seen in in recent years. Uh, The first one that I had been to, and it was the first sort of bodybuilding show to kick off the Scottish season. As you already know from some of the podcasts you've listened to before, there isn't many Scottish shows overall across the year there's maybe about say six or seven of them so this was the first one and what a show it was it was great to see um just how much bodybuilding brings people together i think that that the crowd was massive for what would appear to be or what someone some would say is a small show Um, it definitely wasn't a small show and the standard of the athletes, actually, I think was fairly high in some of the classes. I was pretty surprised, particularly at just how competitive the bikini class was. Um, so, it, it, you know what, it's great for Scottish bodybuilding. And um, we had a few members of the team that were competing on the day and who did incredibly well. We had um, a junior bikini girl pick up a win. We had a men's physique guy come third. And then uh, we had another bikini girl who placed fifth. Um, in a very very competitive class. Um, but you know as I said it was was great for it's as great for Scottish bodybuilding and, and with uh, with PCA this Sunday and other shows thereafter again it's just it's quite an exciting month and there's a real buzz a buzz about um, bodybuilding in Scotland around this time of year so if anyone is at PCA this Sunday please do come over and, and say hi. Would love to have have a chat um about your journey, find out how you're getting on. Um, I do have a couple of athletes competing, so I will be I will be at that one. Um, even if even if you you just want to chat chat shop chat shit, or maybe you want to come over and say how much you like this podcast, or you don't, maybe you think it's boring. Um, I, I'd love to I'd love to hear from you. But on to the subject of today's podcast um, which comes kind of directly um, from a couple of clients I've been having conversations with um, and re- I realised that I hadn't done a podcast on this and I hadn't done an article on this so I figured it was time to, to put something together um, for them to to listen to, for you guys to listen to, so you could further your knowledge on it and that is um, Selective Androgen Receptor Modulators. It's a big fancy word. Most people will just know them as SARMs. Now, Sarms have been around the bodybuilding scene for quite some time, uh, and you know, you all you need to do is Google this to see how w- widely and really available they are to um, to buy. Really, over the counter, they're not necessarily deemed as uh, deemed as illegal. Um, and although I think there's an abundance of information about about them, like on these sites that sell you it, um, it would appear that you know little is known surrounding uh, exactly what they do within the body, how they can maybe aid in physique development and. Like with any topic in the bodybuilding industry, there can be uh, a bunch of misinformation or conflicting ideas, or conflicting arguments, different opinions, um, of course. So, like, really the aim of this today is to just try and give you a little bit of, kind of, okay, this is what SARMs do, this is maybe perhaps some of the side effects to be aware of, um, and maybe, you know, just very, very lightly, briefly discuss their use within, uh, within the role of female bodybuilding. Um, And if you're new to this game, you may have heard myself or some educators out there. I mean, I I don't know if I'd call myself an educator, but, um, you know, I'm trying to pass on some free information. Um, We use the term, like, androgen receptor, and I know there's there's some of you listening to this that are probably like, what the hell is that? And, you know, not to worry if this is you, because I still remember thinking exactly the same all those years ago. Um, when I mean you know, even, even uh, after I'd been at university and forgotten everything that I, everything that I'd learned, um, I'd still would be like, "What the fuck is that?" So we um, we're just going to refer to the androgen receptor as the AR throughout this podcast, just because it's it's, it's just just quicker. Um, but what the androgen receptor is, it belongs to a, it's it belongs to a family of steroid hormone receptors. So you know the likes of testosterone or, or DHT. Um, they can bind to this receptor which then directly has an effect on the cell's sort of transcriptional DNA and a subsequent muscle growth. It's quite a complex process and it's not one that I want to um, go into the science of because I think it would, it would, like, after 30 seconds you'd be lost at the different types of terminologies we would need to discuss. But if you just know that, say, testosterone or, say, DHT will usually bind to this receptor that is located within like nearly all tissues within the body. It'll, it'll bind to this receptor and thus directly impact, say, the cell's DNA and ultimately, say, muscle growth. Or, in some cases, um, it might not necessarily be muscle growth. There might might see a, a different sort of side effect um, if it's binding to the androgen receptor and the likes of your skin, your prostate, your scalp, etc., etc. But it's important to note that the, the androgen receptor is or the AR, should I say, is, is found in, you know, a variety of bodily tissues, not just muscle, which you might led to be believe. And the way to look at this, before we kind of get into what SARMs do, is we have to sort of think of, um, or how I'm going to describe it, um, to really try and simplify the science. So if you think of, like, the steroid and the androgen receptor, as like a lock and key mechanism, right? So you put your key in your door, your key is designed in a specific way that it fits in that lock, you turn it and then effectively you it opens the door, opens the lock and it get you know, effectively you could you could say that it gets things moving. And it's this it's the same terminology that the steroid is is formed or designed in such a way to bind to the receptor. And the receptor is the exact shape that the the steroid needs to to be for it to, to bind for it to dock. And when it docks that's when you could say it in parentheses opens or just gets things moving in regards to this effect it has on the cell's DNA. And that sort of thought process really helped my understanding of the physiology behind this interaction at the AR, which we know is, is fairly complex. And if you understand that and how steroids list their effect on a cell, um, it's easy to understand how SARMs do it because they do it in the exact same way. Right? Now some SARMs will bind and cause activation and muscle growth. Some SARMs will bind and cause inactivation or say partial activation or whatnot, but we'll get to that in in a second. So we know that steroids bind to the androgen receptor in all tissues, right? SARMS were sort of clinically designed to be to, to bind to the ER, but to be selective. In the tissues that they do and then the tissues that they don't having looked at some of the research and even some of the papers i looked at that the precise like molecular mechanisms of its tissue selectivity uh, it's not really fully understood about why they don't bind in some tissues um, but they have been designed such a way to target you know they're, they're, they're trying to to target the androgen receptor in muscle but to try and spare other tissues the best they can now that doesn't mean that there's no binding in other tissues it just means that it's maybe to a, a lesser extent than you would see from the likes of testosterone. Um, so you know in layman's terms you could say that they're, they're designed to try and have a similar sort of anabolic effect in regards to muscle growth but to have this reduced androgenic side effect now, androgenic is gonna uh, it's gonna stand for really all other side effects you'll see for out with muscle growth, such as you know the development of male characteristics, oily skin, um, you know the effect it has on the liver in regards to our skewed en- uh, or you know increase in liver enzymes or skewed sort of lipid profile and what it what that tends to, to do is um, you know increase the the bad cholesterol reduce the the good cholesterol that's that's what steroids do right but SARMs the SARMs the sort of like ploy what they try and promote is that they, they're, they're you're not going to see that um, and again we'll get into I think what you what you will see um, from some of the, the research I, I was looking at in, in a second and and really in in medicine they've been designed to try and help treat some clinical diseases such as osteoporosis Alzheimer's you know mus- muscular dystrophy um, and even some breast cancers and prostate cancers. And you're thinking, but wait, Vaughn, what, how are they able to, why are they designed to treat that? Well, remember what I said not that long ago that SARMS can have this, you could say, agonist effect on the AR. And by that I mean that where it binds and it subsequently activates, you know, downstream what you want. I think, think of this sort of lock and key mechanism and it kind of opens the door or it can have this antagonistic effect and and subsequent inactivation of the AR. So think of that sort of lock and key mechanism, but you effectively are keeping the door firmly shut so that like, meaning in medicine, they can help support your growth, can let's say muscle growth, or they can bind to the AR and slow it down. And the latter is the one that would be more applicable in the likes of say cancerous tumors. So again, remember like, all, everything that we use within bodybuilding for the most part has been looked at in in medicine or designed in such a way like to try and combat some sort of like clinical disease or this sort the next thing it's just that we tend to um, use a lot more than than you would typically see uh, at clinical tiles particularly with SARMs, which again we'll get into but you know as bodybuilders, what are you interested in? You're more interested in the the muscle growth side of things, aren't you? And I know there'll be a lot of you kind of out there thinking, um, right, Vaughn, you're telling me that these things have been designed and like Ty give me the similar effects to steroids, but with minimal, you know, minimal androgenic sides. It's a winner. You know, it must be a, a no-brainer. But you're still thinking, but is that really the case? Like what these guys are promoting like online? Are they just saying this so that I buy it? Are there any side effects I should be aware of? Um, you know, would you get more of, of using steroids? And I'll probably just stop right here and say that if you... Well, I'll give you my opinion. This is obviously everything I say to be taken with a pinch of salt. Go speak to the medical professional if you're thinking about using these sort of things, etc, etc. Um, you know, everything I say is speaking the hypothetical. But I would say that SARMs probably have no place within the, in the male bodybuilding scene. And that kind of directly st- comes from the likes of Victor Black, Joe Jeffries and whatnot. I think if you're going down the assisted route, they are far um, you'll get far greater results from um, the use of injectable steroids, in my opinion, um, at lower doses that, and you know, over an extended period could have a minimal effect to your health, um, similar to what you would see with... Um, long-term usage of SARMs so uh, if anything maybe 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 be better because SARMs in themselves are more likely going to be run in like say 8 to 12 week sort of cycles whereas you could have a low, low dose um, injectable steroid used for you know years and decades and, and, and that'd be kind of deemed quote-unquote safe but yeah that's my two cents on it I'm sure there'll be people out there that will that will argue that but um, again my my standpoint just stems from Listening to, to those at the sort of top of their game in the research field, um, I should obviously give a shout-out to Dr Dean there as well, um, as, to, as to why how I formulate my opinions. Um, I'll take a bit from this person, a bit from that person, and then come up and then look at the research and come up with what, what my thought process is. But um, coming back to the sort of side effect side of things, all those SARMs, such as, you know, the typical ones you're going to hear about is like Austerine, ligandrol, like you know, they're marketed to have these similar effects to SARS, but to be a safer alternative, we must be aware that we can still see some similar health markers skewed uh, that we typically see from the use of steroids. I, I want to to interject here and say that what we'll see is to a far lesser extent um, than the use of steroids. Because remember, the use of steroids is increasing testosterone and with SARMs we're, we're not doing that. You know, you might find, you know, when I was researching, I found one one post on a forum that was trying to say that SARMs um, decreased sex hormone globulin binding, SHGB, um and thus increased free testosterone and thus caused viralization, but it was, the, like, I could find one, it was a one post and there was no study attached to it, um, but anyway that's for later. I'm getting sidetracked here. So again, what I'll say is, like, because we don't typically tend to see, well, we're not seeing these increases in t- testosterone. The effects it's having on that are seen that are similar are not through the same mechanisms. So this is why the extent, the the um, the side effects are to a less extent. So it's well documented that like maybe like an oral steroid. If we can compare say a sarn versus Anavar, um, you know, we know that that can increase our liver enzymes and can really like can really be hepatotoxic, which is just like chemically driven liver damage if used for a long time. Um, and this is just due to like the the, the chemical makeup of Anavar, like it goes through a process called semi alpha alkylation. Now SARMs do not go through this process at all, um, however, they, are, they have still been shown to impact liver enzyme and function to a much lesser extent. But as I said, they don't go through that same chemical process. So how they are increasing liver enzymes is through a different sort of mechanism. So it would kind of make sense in my head that if someone was using SARMs, they would probably support their liver um, throughout usage, just like they would do if they were using the likes of um, oral or even injectable steroids as well. Um, From what I've seen, SARMs, just like, you know, steroids can negative impact this um hypothalamic pituitary gonadal axis so in guys you know it's from, from the mechanism from your your brain to your balls to say to make, make testosterone but in females it would say it would be to to negatively impact to say uh from your brain to your your ovaries to attempt to make estrogen can, can negatively sort of impact that as in like reduce suppress it but when uh when uh usage is stopped um that tends to to, you could effectively see a kickback and uh, from what I've seen uh, a lot of the research it, it was more sort of driven towards the HPTA um, mainly because in, in females you guys don't have an HPTA um, so again you got to be looking at, at that with a pinch of salt if, if, if you are a female listening to this um, again like like uh, in like in the use of steroids there can be a slight reduction in bone mineral density um, through the use of SARMs, but again, it's, it's coming from a, a different sort of way. It's doing that um, than than how steroids do it. And I guess one of the most common things that a lot of people will will know is that steroids can negatively impact your cholesterol. And this usually is from like a reduction of high density lipoproteins, so HDLs, known as the kind of quote unquote good cholesterol, and an increase in low density lipoproteins, or otherwise known as the bad cholesterol. Now, from what I've seen, um, I only saw that SARMs will have this sort of reduction of LDLs. I couldn't really find much on it showing an, a, a big increase in, in LDLs. So, I, and I couldn't see it would increase the bad cholesterol, um, but it was reducing this kind of quote-unquote good cholesterol. However, what I've seen was that that very quickly those levels got back to say quote-unquote normal um, after the usage of those SARMs had stopped. And again, that's uh, that's something that you know a similar effect we'd see in our health markers using using steroids but to a lesser extent you know the the increase of testosterone if you, from the use of steroids is going to increase hepatic lipase which ultimately is what reduces HDLs and increased LDLs but again we're not seeing this increase in testosterone the SARM use so how it's doing that is again through different mechanisms and it's mechanisms I'm not going to go into in this podcast because I'm just giving you the, the sort of information about it um, there are some SARMs out there um Known as growth hormone gogs. I've briefly mentioned this before in the growth hormone podcast, um, such as MK677, which promises to have all the effects of or similar effects to growth hormone. Um, however, it's often not the case. Um, and what you'll tend to find is it can drastically negatively impact your blood glucose levels and your insulin sensitivity. And often, what that will do it leads to this sort of fairly sharp increase in body fat water retention. I remember I had a client years ago, at the time he wasn't working with me, um, but I knew who he was, he'd used it, and uh, you should have seen the, the fluid retention in his hands from that. Now some guys get that from growth anyway, but this was this was way worse, but it's just absolutely terrible um, uh, what it does to your blood glucose, and it gives you honestly fuck all in, in terms of comparing that to, to growth hormones. So yeah, I think the M677's place really stands in the bin. Um, and if anyone says otherwise, then you know, just get yourself in the bin alongside that. I guess the one thing to note here is what I'm going through um, and the clinical studies that I was sort of looking at in the bodybuilding community, they typically take um, a lot more than what you would see at clinical doses and for a lot longer. So. like medicine um they'd maybe use a specific dose but then in the bodybuilding community we're typically using like almost 10 times that or or more than that and for a bit of a longer time so you have to then look at the research and say well okay how how applicable is that to me um that study was done on it you know x amount of individuals or that study was done on rats how applicable is that to what i'm doing blah 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 um and again i also think as well because like even if you look at the use of um, anabolic steroids in literature, like bodybuilders were using a bit more, or we're stacking compounds together, or we're using them for a lot longer, so it's really hard at times to to um, like research is great, but also just like experience, I think is is invaluable as well, and really the combination of them together is I think what formulates uh, having a, an opinion, um, not just opinion, sorry, but having um, oh god, I'm at, I'm at a loss for words. Having some decent knowledge about potentially what something can or can't do, um, and giving a um, an educated opinion—that's an educated opinion on what it can or cannot do. So, yeah, that's worthwhile noting. Um, is again, we'll typically use more why because with more we get, we get uh, we get more muscle growth. Don't we? That's what we're all aiming for as bodybuilders and. I think in general that's a lot of the the typical sides that I, I had looked into and I had seen. There might be some someone out there that's got more, and if there are, you want to add to this, please do drop me a DM. Um, love to love to have a discussion about that. But um, I guess to, to sort of wrap to finish off, you would then think of its uses within females, and I think in the assisted bodybuilding scene, SARMs, such as the Austrian's the leg and jaws they have become more popular than females just simply due to the fact that they like the use of them will show zero or to very, very little viralization. And what that means is uh, viralization is just the development of male characteristics, Um, especially when you would compare this to steroids. Now, if a female were to use certain steroids at higher dosages, and again, I'm not going to name specific compounds or dosages because, again, that leads to just, you know, um, it can lead to it's not the discussion I'm trying to have I'm just trying to give away the information but again if a female were to use certain styles of higher dosages she may develop like a deeper voice uh, body hair facial growth and um, some acne, reduction in breast size and that's the type of of sort of vitalization that the females want to avoid of course because they want to remain their femininity um as they then increase their, their muscle growth so that th- those sides usually stem from like a raised testosterone production um, in the female system that they're just typically naturally not used to, and uh, this appeal of SARMs, um, of course, is that it, it doesn't increase your testosterone levels. So then it, it, it but it has a similar effect of binding to the androgen receptor in muscle, um, and term, meaning you're going to see more muscle growth without any of these sort of valorizations, uh, side effects that you that you would see if you use if you use steroids. Um, and there sort of lies the appeal. Now, there's a lot of sort of research out there that, um, and it's again coming from like, so Victor Black, Joe Jeffries and whatnot, that they're talking about um, females that do use anabolics and say that it's it's more just your long-term exposure that dictates um, sort of male secondary characteristics, develop, development characteristics coming into play. Um, and that's what one, one should be looking at, like say over a five, 10-year five, period, Opposed to what they're doing at the current moment, that's typically what is the thing that causes this viralisation—the um, total cumulative dose over those time periods. Um, but there's very little sort of to say about because of what SARMs don't do—they don't raise—they don't raise testosterone about their usage within five, eight, ten years. So you would imagine um, now, of course, like it doesn't mean to say that you might won't find some women out there who maybe have seen those sides and that have a different opinion. Um, having dug into research like I struggled to find any data um, at the clinical dosages that showed any viralization uh, uh, at all really. Um, but remember as bodybuilders were taking more of the clinical dosages we are all individuals um and uh, remember if you're if you're buying it from you know Big Davy down the gym it's not to say that what you're buying is actually a SARM. it might be kind of fake and it might be fake. Effect instead of being a SARM, it might be Anavar, it might be dbol um, or, or whatnot. Um, so it kind of leaves the unopened un- unopen or unended question of you know what happens at these higher dosages uh, that bodybuilders take. And, f- and from experience, you know, like I said to you, we take typically like you know ten times the clinical dose. Um, from my experience working with females with SARMs, uh, specifically, I've seen no development of these sort of uh, any male characteristics at all. If I'm honest, um. And that is through just due diligence, through communication and, and being very smart. Um, and, and it was quite, I mean, as, as a side note, as a secondary effect of SARMS use, I, I saw that, that SARMS have been shown to increase libido um, in, in some females as well, which can sometimes be the complete opposite effect if they are using steroids, which again was just really interesting when digging into some of the research about this. Um, and I guess that's my, my two cents on on it with within the female side of things. Personally, my opinion is that it's very safe, and that because it, we don't see these secondary male characteristics, if you're smart with your you know your usage uh, over a long period of time, um, I don't feel you will see any. Um, however, there might be someone out there that again that, that says the opposite. Um, when we consider total cumulative exposure over a time period. Um, that steroids have in those development of secondary male characteristics like it's not relatable to SARMs because SARMs don't increase your testosterone level and that's usually the problem that comes with steroids in these development of these male characteristics that you are trying to avoid and you're trying to hold on to your femininity and um, you know it can be used uh, SARMs you know in females can be used in an off-season scenario they can be used on prep, and I've, um, as a coach, I've I've helped, um, I've worked with females that have done done both scenarios, and we've had great success and uh, seen really really significant muscle growth, and we've often worked in um, sort of eight week eight week phases, uh, whether that's sort of eight weeks on, eight weeks off, um, longer periods off, um, not really much longer periods on, if I'm honest, because um, again you've got to think about the liver, cholesterol, etc. etc. and you should be looking to support them. Um, uh, if you are if you were to use it and, and i guess if if i was to summarize you could say that uh, you know SARMs are, are going to interact with the AR in a similar fashion to that that steroids do think of this lock and key mechanism over the years they were designed or tried to be designed in such a manner to give you the benefits that you get from steroids but without the typical negative side effects you'd see your impact our health or you know they'll say they're trying to get to bind to the air and muscle but but not in other tissues however uh, the use of some terms can skew some of those health markers and it can bind to the AR ER in, in, in some tissues um albeit to tell much less extent especially the size effect a much less extent that you would see um if you were to use steroids such as elevated liver enzymes skewed cholesterol panel increased insulin sensitivity or insulin desensitivity should I say um like if you were thinking about mK677 but Their use has got more popular uh, within females, obviously running higher dosages, um, and from what I've worked with and what I've seen um, and the circles that I'm in in regards to the coaches at the top of their game and their athletes have really shown little to zero uh, viralisation in experience, but also found in the literature. So I hope that kind of clears up SARMs. I understand there's a bunch of them um, and I'm speaking them about them more as uh, like a whole, more more like together. But um, again, it's, it wasn't a, I didn't want to just specifically do a whole podcast about Osterine or Ligandrol or MK677. I wanted to just give a podcast that allows you to understand how they work, um, formulate your own opinion, just get like the more you know about this sort of thing, the easier it is to understand, especially if it's something you consider using or, or having... Uh, you know, a discussion with someone about that, you could then have a little bit of an input. So if you enjoyed this, guys, please do um, let me know. Drop me a DM on Instagram or pop on your story. Share it with someone who you, you feel um, maybe perhaps needs needs to hear it. Um, if you are at PCA Scott on this, this coming Sunday, please do come and say hi and I'd love to have a chat with you. If not, just remember that wherever you are, whatever you do, give it the beans.